Hey, welcome to Dream Aloud with Kendra. It's a podcast for black women who want to live limitless lives. Be inspired by others who have dared to step outside of their comfort zone to live their hopes and dreams and passions. Now let's get started because life is way too short not to live the way that you want. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our second acts series um, of Phenomenal Women Who Pivot. This time, second up on my under 40 set is my cousin who shares the legacy of the JMC family, you know, the family that I that I brag about all the time. <laughs> so this cousin is on the same generational line as me. So we're generation eight. My dad is probably one of the oldest first cousins and her mom is probably one of the youngest first cousins. I call her cousin. My son calls her sister. And that's why I love my family because the extended family is phenomenal as well as the women who, and it is really the women who hold up this family and are the glue to the family. And I just wanna say that this person has always followed her dreams. So, you know, my, my company, my program is called Dream Aloud with Kendra. And I've been watching her since she was a little girl. So I was at a <laughs> reunion. She's sitting at the table with me and her two brothers. Her mom and dad are on stage singing. She's entertaining everybody at the table, just talking to <laughs> And her brothers are like, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. But she just couldn't do that. And a few years later, she was on stage with her parents, entertaining and singing. So she has followed her dreams so much and so hard that before she graduated high school, she was already singing professionally. Hmm. And I'll let her tell you who she sang for and which group she sang with. And then we watch this phenomenal woman just take off in corporate America. And she started working for Google. And now she's doing other projects and she has some entrepreneurial endeavors that she's gonna tell us about. So I wanna to introduce to you all, someone who's near and dear to my heart, my little cousin, <laughs> Candace Jordan, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I need you to, to do that intro every time I have a job interview. That was awesome. <laughs> sure will. Sure will. So, you know, we're, we're big on legacy. And so, and when I ask, I'm asking people now, who are you? What do you do? I am. And so that somebody's going to get a, um, a clue as to who I am at my core by listening to this. I am a griot. So I tell the stories of my people and I actually get a high out of cheerleading for other people like let me tell you about this cousin let me tell you about this person mm -hmm. and so Candace is one of those people who will go act she goes after everything she's like oh I'm singing back up for so-and-so um I'm in this play and we all just do it because we know it's going to be good when she does it so I'm really proud of you and the things that you're doing, how did you, tell us about your, your first love singing yeah, and how you started that and where that led you. 
I, I love this idea of, of saying who you are. Um, I used to think of myself as a risk taker, but I don't think that I'm, I think I'm actually pretty risk averse. I go after a lot of things, but it's usually only when I feel pretty confident that I can crush it. So I don't mm -hmm. think I'm a risk taker, um, but I do think I'm pretty fearless about, you know, what I'm willing to try. Um, our family is a musical family, always has been back generations. And, you know, our griot could tell you all about that. But my mother, my father, my aunts, my uncles, I grew up around singing. And when my mom first realized I actually had that talent, I had to be, I'm, I'm telling my age, I had to be about four when The Little Mermaid first came out. And I was singing the song that she sings in the cavern with all of her trinkets. And my mom thought that the movie was playing, but the, the movie was not playing. It was actually me singing. So since I was four years old, I've been groomed to be this singer mm -hmm. as soon as, as my parents realized that I had that talent. Um, my very first professional experience with singing, uh, I was 11 years old. And I remember this because the song that I was recording in the studio said, um, it seems that I'm too young. 12 is just not old enough. And I remember being very uncomfortable singing that because I wasn't 12 yet. <laughs> So I've been doing it for a long time. And where it led me, honestly, is, you know, I'll tell you about all the fun stuff that I got to do as a singer, but it made me really comfortable in my skin, mm -hmm. you know, putting myself out there as a, an entertainer of any sort, you're sort of selling yourself. You have to, you know, look a certain way and present yourself a certain way. And, and it really made me extremely comfortable in my own skin, extremely comfortable talking to people, um, in big crowds, little crowds, you know, that part has taken me so far throughout everything that I've done. But I think that um, I did a couple different girl groups that no one would know because they were just sort of local girl groups. Um, but when I was in high school, I was in a group called Beige. It was B-A-A-J. We haven't done anything for so long. Like social media came after that. So good luck mm -hmm. finding some video on us. I know everybody's going to Google it. Um, but the, the group was called Beige. And that was the first time that it seemed like a viable career path. We had some connections to big names in the industry. Um, I got to go on tour, uh, singing background for Jaheem, who's a, a big R&B artist. Um, we were opening for him on tour. And this is like end of high school going into the next few years after that. We were on a tour with Mary J. Blige and Genuine and 112 and Maxi Priest of all people. That was probably the most fun uh, show that we did. Um, so I got to do like the tour thing, both as a background singer, but also as an artist myself, because we were opening for Jaheem doing our own original music. And there were three of us at that time. Um, but even prior to that, we were a four girl group. I had to be about 18, maybe 19. And we had some connections to Luther Vandross. Um, our manager actually was very um, connected to that group. And we had the opportunity to sing background on his last album. So that very last album, Dance With My Father, there are four or five songs where my voice is sort of like immortalized next to Luther Vandross's. We were able to, you know, sing background with him. 
we were on songs with Busta Rhymes and Foxy Brown. And like, it was just such a really cool experience. And out of the four of us, I had two opportunities that the other women did not have. Um, one was he was doing a duet version of Lovely Day. And I got to sing that with him as a duet. I wish I had a copy of it. Of course, he wouldn't give it to me. Um, but the deal was the label wants Busta Rhymes on this song. If I can't get him, I'm going to use the version that we did together. And he was like willing to take that chance on me, which was such an incredible vote of confidence. Of course, Busta Rhymes ended Busta. up on the song. It's fine. I'm still in the Thanks, background. Busta. Thanks, Busta, if you're watching. <laughs> um, and, and another song that he did as a duet, The Closer I Get to You, he did um, with Beyonce. And he needed one voice, one like young voice to kind of round out the sound he was looking for. So I got to go in and sing with his like core background singers, which were Sissy Houston and, and some mm -hmm. other, yeah, some other women who have, you know, been big in the industry. Um, uh, to, oh gosh, her name is Tawatha, but she used to sing Juicy. She, she sang that Juicy and I, her name was something else when she was singing Juicy, but she introduced herself to me as Tawatha. But those two women I got to sing with on this song with Beyonce. And he actually had me sing some of, some of the lead for it as like a placeholder. So once Beyonce recorded over it, I listened back to it and I hear her do things that I actually did in the song like mimic what I had done and it's so cool. <laughs> so you know it's so good cool. when somebody I else told what you told what you did. Yeah. So <laughs> that those experiences I wouldn't trade for the world. But I think that um as time went on, I started craving stability. The music industry is all over the place. Sometimes you're working, sometimes you're not, sometimes you're getting paid, sometimes you're not. <laughs> like it, it's all over the place. And so I got to a point where I needed stability and I had made my parents a promise that if I didn't make it big, by the time I was 23, I would go to college. So when I was 23, um, we had just gotten booked for a play that was being done about Luther Vandross's life. He had passed away at this point. And my group was supposed to play in vogue in that play. And I quit my job that I had at the bank at the time. We had started rehearsals. I was already, I was getting paid and everything. And then they lost the funding for the play. Mm -hmm. So I found myself with no job, no education, and just like a bad taste in my mouth for the music industry. I still love singing to this day. It is always going to be a, a part of my heart. But I decided at that point that I no longer wanted to sell myself to the music mm -hmm. industry and to rely on that. So went to college, I went to college for advertising. And so this is a huge pivot because I thought that I was going to school for advertising to like write jingles or something. Like that was my thinking. I thought I was gonna be Jamie Foxx writing jingles at some advertising agency. Um, and it just didn't work out that way. Like as I got into it, I realized that I was more interested in the money. Like I wanted to understand, Hello. right? why do TV commercials cost a million dollars? Like, what is it that makes you willing to spend that money to run a 30 second commercial? Like that, that was the stuff that I was really interested in. And so I, I made it my business to understand 
um, media planning, which is essentially client gives you a budget and you determine where and how and why you need to spend it. So at about, let's say 27, I was managing multi-million dollar budgets at an advertising agency for huge brands. Um, and it was so far from singing, but all of those skills that I learned over the years of how to be personable, how to get people to like you, how to stand up on stage and, you know, present this, like asking people to give you millions of dollars. Like, I don't know that I would have been able to do that if I hadn't gone through an entertainment career. Did that for a little bit, made lots of connections. I've always been really good about uh, making friends, making connections. Um, I did internships and stuff like that and just carried those relationships on. And one of those relationships happened to be with a recruiter at Google. And she called me one day and she's like, hey, I, I just started, you know, recruiting. I moved to California. I just got a new portfolio. I have these entry level positions. I know you have experience already, but I think we can pay you more even though you're coming in at entry level. And I was like, I don't care what the job is. Let me, let's do it. Mm -hmm. I went and I started working at Google and customer service. So for any of you out there who use our advertising platform for your businesses, if you ever had to call in and like, talk to somebody in customer service about what was going on with your account, you might've talked to me. <laughs> and I hated that job. I know you're laughing, but I hated it. I hated mm -hmm. it so much because I felt like it was just dealing with people's problems all the time. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever calls customer service. They say, Hey, great. This is going so well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I did that for about a year and then I pivoted again. I was still in customer service, but I realized that um, I wanted to do more management. And so I ended up being the escalations manager, which was like, this is going to sound crazy. It was better, but it was really the people who were pissed off about what was going on and wanted to talk to a manager. Mm -hmm. But I liked that better because when I was able to resolve the issue, it was so fulfilling. So fast forward a little bit. I had moved out to California to do that job. I got married while I was out there. Um, I had my my first daughter while I was out there. She's six years old now. But after I had her, I took I was on maternity leave. I went back to work when she was about five months old, and I just couldn't handle it. I, I was I just felt too far away from everybody. If you've watched any of Kendra's series, you know how close our family is, and like being that far away from family with a newborn baby who I felt like was not going to know my family, I couldn't handle it. So I'm going to have the same experience that we had. Yeah, I couldn't take it. You know, mm -hmm. your son calls me his sister because we're, we're that close. Mm -hmm. And I, the thought that my daughter would not be close enough to like see and be with our family often was it was heartbreaking for me and it, it really it made me drop everything and like leave and move back to the east coast i want to stop right there for a second like you said my son calls you his sister your, your grandfather and my grandmother are siblings their brother and sister and we're that close mm -hmm. it's an effort it and has so you to see be the, so you see the value in that and you came back so that your daughter can have the same thing. Exactly, and, and it wasn't 
it wasn't an option to do otherwise. Like family is that deeply ingrained in everything that we do that it just wasn't an option. And we moved back when she was eight months old. And remember, I had just gone back to work when she was five months old. It took mm -hmm. me about three months to get another job back on the East Coast. I still stayed within Google, but I transferred over to another role, um, another pivot <laughs> uh, in the New York office so that I could be within driving distance of our family and be able to go to birthday parties and reunions and just pick up and go and go see people if we wanted to. Um, so that pivot getting to New York was a pivot from being like this product specialist, which is what I was in my previous role, to a sales role where I had clients and I was responsible for managing their business and finding opportunities to grow that business, which was great because it took me back to all the things that I brought over from singing, like going, doing big pitches and talks at conferences and you know, networking and building those relationships with clients. And it also took me back to everything that I learned to love about media planning, which was like really understanding where the budgets were coming from and, and how they should be spent to achieve client goals and all that stuff. So I've been doing several roles within that same area for the, the last uh, five years, over five years. I started, you know, smaller got a couple promotions, bigger books of business, more complex clients, all that stuff, but I stayed within the same area. And then recently I'm on week two of my newest role at Google, which is managing a sales team. You go girl. Thank you, thank you. Um, and it is not easy to become a manager at Google. You think about other places where you start to manage people pretty much out of necessity. Like at some point you move up into another role and you have to oversee what other people are doing. Um, it's not like that at Google. Like management is not just overseeing, you know, what other people are doing. It's mentorship and coaching and helping people with professional development. And it's it's like a big deal. You have to really prove that you can do that. <laughs> so um, I'm pretty proud of having accomplished that. And, and it's a lot, you know, I'm only on week two, um, but it's something that I'm really natural at. And a family even will tell you I'm sort of, you know, motherly anyway. I kind of push people in the right direction, whether they like it or not. <laughs> and um, my sister, my cousins, they will all tell you that they love, hate that. <laughs> and they call you mom. They call me mom. <laughs> Before you had children, you had them. I had them. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, I get the same thing as, as does Jackie, who was, who was interviewing with us. And so Jackie's motto is, it's a gift. Mm -hmm. It's a gift. And I if think you don't want to be bossed, then move out of line when you when we're talking. If you're, feel, if you're feeling a certain way, don't take it personally. But when you're ready, we'll, we'll, we'll dispense the gift. Yes, it, it is a gift. And it serves me well in all aspects of my life. Now that I am a mother, I'm really glad that it's a gift because it's something that's natural for me. Um, but it served me well, you know, I, family members, you know, people who don't necessarily want to be pushed, I'll tell them, if you can call me when you have a problem and you want me to help you solve it, then you got to take the other side of that. You got to, you got to take the other side of it and roll with it <laughs> because, um, either, either I'm your advocate and I'm your coach and I'm your mentor or I'm not. And you get to choose. Once you're an adult, you get to choose, but mm -hmm. choose wisely. 
Um, so I get to put all those gifts to use now in my current role. I think I'm in the midst of another pretty major shift in my life. And I think this past year feeling so chaotic and so out of control, and it's made me take a, a hard look at, at my long-term future. And while I have no intention of leaving Google anytime soon, I am thinking about, you know, what happens five years from now, 10 years from now? How am I setting myself up to really live the life that I want? And life that I want is one that is more than comfortable. I won't lie. I don't I don't need to be Oprah rich, but I want to be, you know, but more you than comfortable. Oprah rich if you want to be. If I want to. I feel like that's a lot. That's a lot. I don't think I want to. <laughs> I don't think I want to be a billionaire. Um, but I would like to get to a point where what I do with my time is my choice. Yeah. And so working for a huge corporation, I'm learning amazing skills. I'm building a fantastic network. Um, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, but I do want to get to a point where I can step away from the corporate world and own my time again. Because at the end of the day, the long, the more you progress in this environment, the more responsibilities you have, the more there is demand on your time. And, and that makes sense, mm -hmm. but it's not what I want long-term. Right. And I'm comfortable saying that. We've talked about the golden handcuffs. Because mm -hmm. I've always it's true. worked in higher ed. So the benefits package is wonderful. The kids get to go to school for free. But there's a price to pay. And at some point, you have to decide, is this what I want? Or are there still dreams laying on the table right. that I need to pursue? Yeah. And so, you know, I know Google's handcuffs are platinum. So, you know, you have your platinum handcuffs, so they're really nice. They're bracelets. But at some point, you're already preparing yourself to have choices, more choices. And that's what it's about, choices. I may decide to stay at Google and become a director and, like, try to be the CEO one day. But I want it to be my choice. I don't want it to be a necessity. Can you hear the kids in the background? Yes, we can. She has two kids. Yes, two it's kids, on. and their dad is supposed to be keeping them quiet, but he's I not doing he a great job. I saw he was watching. He's watching. <laughs> okay, if he's watching, the kids are loud. <laughs> um, so I think that, like, there's a few things. Give me a second. Okay. There's a few things that I'm I'm putting into place so that I can have those choices. And this is another major shift in my life, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I've started doing some real estate investing. I've started um, this beauty business. It's it's um, something that's super flexible, right? Like I do it in my spare time. And you know, because you're one of my customers. So it's like hair got care, my, skin care, um, wellness products, all that stuff. And that's something that I'm really excited about because of the flexibility and because there's really, yes, you got your stuff. It arrived today, yesterday. I'm so excited. Um, real estate investing, like it's low lift, but high investment, right? Um, so it takes a lot of money to get started with that. And I intend to make that my main, like source of, of more passive income. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the beauty stuff and there is sort of uncapped potential in, in that the larger I grow my team, the more I, you know, make sales and build my customer base, the more residual income I can make. And so that's another stream of income that I'm now adding and something that like, who would have thought I can, the bonus that I got today from that, I can pay 
the mortgage on the house I live in and my real estate investment. I can pay both mortgages with that. So it's just another stream of income. And, you know, you read all these books about personal development and how to get rich and all that stuff. And I've seen many, many times everybody who's a millionaire has at least seven streams of income. Yeah. I'm on four. So I'm trying to get to seven. <laughs> yeah. And that's where it is at this point. Like, I am really enjoying everything that I'm doing. But the focus now is to build wealth generational wealth yeah you know have something that i can give to my children have a way that in 10 years from now if i decide because like we all seem to think that retirement is at 65 retirement's not an age retirement is when, when do you have ready. enough passive income to, to cover yeah. your expenses i would like to retire at 45 not go, 65 girl. so that's what i'm working on but i'm 51 so I have to recalibrate but you know we're not doing bad but no. you, if you want to retire at 45 and the way that you're going i'll be there cheering you on watching Have a i big know you party. can do it i know you can do it i know you can do it so let's talk about these multiple streams of income mm -hmm. um how did you pick them are you, you you wanted some passive and you have at least one that's not passive how are you picking and selecting these streams? It's a really good question. Um, real estate is something that I've always been interested in, but it also feels stable, right? There's fluctuations, but for the most part, if you're thinking long-term, it feels stable. Like I said, I'm, I'm not really a risk taker. I'm pretty risk averse. So I'm going for things that feel like it's a little bit more within my control at least for these first few streams of income. So I, I even took real estate classes. I was going to become an agent at one point because it's something I've always been interested in. But when I was working at the bank, it was a conflict and you can't be an agent and sell mortgages, whatever. So um, I never did that, but always been an interest. And I've now gotten to a point where I can afford to actually go out and, and get into it as an investor. Um, I'm choosing my other streams of income based on a couple of criteria. I want time freedom. I don't, I can't, add on anything else that requires me to be sitting in a certain place at a certain time. Um, so I'm open, honestly. I'm a little bit you know, more conservative as far as risk. So I haven't gotten into stocks and, and stuff as much. I have a you know, pretty modest portfolio as far as stock from work. Um, and, you know, 529 plans for the girls and a little bit of investing that I do just to play around and try and understand it. But I haven't jumped into that just yet. Um, but I'm looking for things that are flexible, that uh, can use my talents, can use my gifts. So the fourth stream of income that I was talking about is actually public speaking. So I've been doing different conferences and um, a lot of it started out through work but I've now been able to build up enough of a portfolio where it's becoming a, another stream of income. And that's something that, you know, I'm passionate about the business side of things, but I'd like to pivot that more toward diversity, equity, and inclusion. Cause that's something mm -hmm. else that I'm really passionate about. Yep. So that's that fourth stream. That one's up and coming. Um, there's a fifth stream on the way. It's a book series that I'm writing with my oldest daughter. She came up with um, these two really cool characters. It's a 
superhero and a supervillain fashioned after her and her sister. Mm -hmm. um, the villain is. Uh, yeah, the baby, the baby is a bit much. She she dubbed her Titantrum. So uh, <laughs> that should tell you a little bit about her personality and that and the screaming in the background. Um, but she's Super Sky and her sister is Titantrum. And the first concept that she came up with, she'll be listed as a co-author, was just her um, helping to calm her sister down. And like that's taking care of her sister. That's what it means to be a big sister. And being a big sister is like being a superhero. So here we are back at Legacy. Mm -hmm. Back at Legacy. So I'm going to go back to, to the land piece. And the real estate, I take I took real estate classes too. I have rental properties. I wanted on some other land somewhere else. But in our legacy, we're generation seven that was born here on American soil, you and I. Yep. And we can trace back to the second generation being a landowner. So it's in our DNA. They've always owned land, not just a house, but farms and stuff that they could donate as well. Mm -hmm. So that that's going on. Then you're talking about your, your parlay and all your skills and you're into many things. So if we talk about our great, great, our great grandmother, sorry, our great grandmother, she only graduated third grade, but she was a midwife. She yep. would be the mentor to ministers. She owned a farm and a cane mill. So the farm, she raised cane, and then she had a mill where she sold syrup and other things to other people. So that's not new to us to be entrepreneurs. And yeah. to now, I'm not a griot by myself. I got the stories from my dad and from our great aunt and from her mother and my grandmother. So they tell stories too. So the griot part is not just the people who tell the heritages, they tell stories, but they're also praise singers, hello, and they actually preach as well. So how many ministers do we have in our family? Too lot. many to count. <laughs> a whole bunch of singers, a yep. whole bunch of people who tell stories. So your public speaking is just that. And so now you are raising your children and your six-year-old sings. Yep. <laughs> so she's very singing. well. Yes, she does. And she's right. She's writing a book with things that she's come up with. And yep. so the the legacy part is not for me, the legacy piece that I teach, the legacy that I'm pushing for everyone, not just people in our family, but to change that narrative and make sure that people know who they are. So when Sky, since she's Sky. <laughs> yeah, super sky don't mess it up all right well, when super sky <laughs> walks into a building or into a boardroom she already knows who she is mm -hmm. regardless of what is said about her or what they try to say about her at the end of the day she knows who she is and she can just take what she needs and move on and build whatever it is that she needs on the other end maybe she doesn't even want to work for anybody she's got examples and so the and options <laughs> options yep examples and options so when you do that you're not just doing it for your your girls you're doing it for your family you're doing it for everybody who's watching everybody who will watch and you know the legacy the wealth part is a part of that so when people yep. think legacy they just think wealth 
But if we lose the story, if we don't tell them who, where they come from, then it's kind of hard for them to figure out who they are and which narrative to believe. But if they're already telling their own narrative, because she's going to have a book series, so she's telling her own story. Yes, she is. And it's, it is an incredible, um, I would say it's an honor and a burden to have to raise children, you know, period. Because that's something that I've thought so much about. How do I give them the pride? You know, how do I give them the same strength and awareness of self mm-hmm. that I received? as a child and you know i packed up and moved back three thousand miles because i said that's not something you do by yourself you can't i don't think you can do that by yourself i think that that level of pride that strength that awareness of who you are and where you come from that's not something that they can just get from me they have to be you know fully fully initiated into this amazing legacy that we have as a family mm-hmm. in order to feel that you know you'll you'll see people in our family all the time even the little kids they have such pride in being part of the family mm-hmm. i had uh aria say to me once well mom being a mcfarland is so great i want to be a mcfarland because <laughs> obviously we have her dad's last name and i said you are she said well no i'm a jordan i said you're a jordan as well Mm-hmm. And you can take pride in being part of daddy's family and you can take pride in being part of mommy's family. You are all of those things. And and that's not something that you just, mm-hmm. you know, you have one conversation about. They need to see it. They need to feel it. And you know, it. they have to live it in order for it to become who they are. So that was something that was so important to me. I'm really excited about all of the things that I'm doing now, all of the things that are yet to come. I'm super excited about you making this huge shift and writing a book and starting a podcast. And this is just mm-hmm. so right for cousin Kendra. Like it just, yeah. it just makes sense. And I'm just really excited to be a part of it. Yeah. So, you know, I dubbed myself the family cheerleader. And so my thing is to cheer on family members and family doesn't always mean blood. That's the other thing that we do. You don't have to be born into the family to be family. (laughs) We adopt a lot of people. So I have my friend is on now and she said yes to choices and options. So Shinny has already decided that she was a member of the family maybe like 20 years ago Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we just take on everybody and there's nothing wrong with that. That's how we all survived. And that's how we came from the South to the North together. And the African proverb says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yep. And so going together has been an awesome thing because if you need to be mentored by an engineer, we have engineers in our family. That's Your right. sister yep. and a whole bunch of other people. And we have a plethora of nurses. We have all of these people that you can go and get mentoring from. And the biggest part that I see is it's in our DNA because people like my father who could have gone to Temple for free for engineering, he decided to go to the army instead. I don't think they realize how smart they are. 
Nope. <laughs> they think they think everybody can do that. And so when my dad, my dad is a braggart about his family. So when he talks about your grandfather, he was a freaking genius. He was genius. a genius. He was. He, he was, was a genius. A genius. And, but he just, he did all of these things, but I think he operated in the mode that he thought everybody else was doing that too, thinking that way. I know my dad does. My dad mm-hmm. really thinks that people think like he does and can do things because he can do them. And I, I keep telling him that is not the normal way. So here your grandfather is working at the Navy Yard, making his job easier for himself. And the Navy's taking notice. And now they're still doing those practices. And he's been yep. gone for a while. When was he born? Like 1913, something like that. 1918. 1918. So he's working at the Naval Yard in Philly. And they're still using those practices today. Crazy. He didn't get credit for it, but it's our job to make sure that the world knows that he did that. Yep. And it's we, we should have been job. rich a long time ago. <laughs> yes. But we're rich in legacy. We're yeah. rich in the things that we can do. And we need to make sure that this generation, and we, we're down to generation nine now. So wow. we want to make sure that generation eight and nine and 10, they all get and reap the benefits of all the hard work that the people before us didn't have an opportunity to get. And we, we are blessed because they were landowners. They had farms, they had businesses, but we got to tell that story. Yep. And so I tell everybody, if, if you're in this family and you don't own a house, then you're slacking. Yep. Because if somebody was born in 1865 and 17 something had some land, you need to do something. You need to get off your rusty dusty and figure it out. <laughs> figure right. it out. Because you're you're there's greatness running in your veins. And so the singing part, I wanted to be clear about the singing part. McFarlands do not sing. That's <laughs> your grandmother. So my great-grandfather married a sanger. Yes. And all of you sing. All of their children sang. And some sang and some sing, but you guys always bring the music for the reunions. Karaoke is nothing but a thing when we get together. <laughs> so I'll get like on. a concert. I get on with my mic down and pretend I'm singing because I love music and I love to hear people sing. But that's another legacy that you're bringing on. And I love the fact that you actually anything that you dream about you pursue it and you learn from it and you move to the next thing and so when you got the good job at google we're like oh Candace's working at google she's in the big time i wanted to know if you were sliding down the slides and going into the yep (laughs) i did i did all that i was climbing right on Mm -hmm. you do all All of that that. (laughs) maybe not so much anymore since i'm working from home but (laughs) i did when i started so do you, you've worked in other corporate places and you worked at Google. Do you recommend that model? I do. Um, I think that providing a place that people want to come to and can feel really proud of is a huge part of culture. Um, 
it should be you spend more time at work than you do at home. You spend more time with your coworkers than you do with your family in a lot of cases. And so building an environment that is um, collaborative and creative and that feels like a place you want to be, your, your people are going to be so much more productive because of it. There's less to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I want people sliding down slides when they're supposed to get work done. But to be honest, people generally don't take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they take the time. This is work time. And OK, now we're taking a break. Let's go do this fun thing. And OK, cool. Let's come back. Now it's work time. So it's I don't think it affects productivity or anything negatively. I think quite the opposite. And people are happier to come to work. That can only be positive. OK, cool. So I ask every guest what their favorite quote is. Please excuse me. I have new braces and I'm getting used to them. But what is your favorite quote? Uh, I might butcher it a little bit, but it is, um, it's always scariest right before you start. And I actually think that Stephen King, I think I might've gotten that from Stephen King. I I read a lot of that type of book, Um, but I love that quote and it fits really well into who I am because I do a lot of things that are scary at first. Like when I moved out to California, I had never even visited. So it was like uh, all the way to the other side of the country. Um, I was scared, still really anxious on flights at that time. So like I do things that are pretty scary, but if I can see the other side of it, um, I'm usually willing to, to go ahead and, and do it. And I think that quote's right. Yeah. You could, you'll be terrified, but you know, as soon as you jump off the diving board, it's a done deal. It's scarier before you start. And I've, I've experienced that many times. So I really love that quote. I like that quote too. I'm going to have to use it. So I'm going to tell you guys about my virtual re- retreat. It is January 28th through the 30th. So the 28th is just a um, keynote and questions and answers on a Thursday night. And then Friday and Saturday, we're going to do the heart work, that heart work to figure out where your dreams are and what's blocking you, be it fear or opinions of others and how you can create a pivot strategy to go after your dreams and live, work and play your way. The title of the retreat is She's Come Unmasked. That means we're going going to the core of who you are, the essence of who you are. She's come unmasked, dare to pivot and manifest your dreams. If you didn't hear anything else from Candace, (laughs) she keeps pivoting. She keeps manifesting her dreams and she's going after things that are dear to her heart, not what other people think is success, not what other people think she should be doing or what the world says is a good thing. She's going after what she wants. So I'll put up a link later on, but I just wanted to give you the opportunity to know about that as well. And then lastly, Candice, I ask everybody, um, because we know we didn't get here on our own, on whose shoulders do you stand? Goodness, so many people, generations of shoulders. If I have to choose someone, uh, I'll choose the obvious. I'll choose my mom. 
She uh, is such an inspiration. I don't know if she's watching this or not. It'll probably make her cry if she is, but um, she's such an inspiration because she is the original pivoter, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. She she was a singer. She was a professional singer. Once she had children, that kind of changed things around for her. She decided to go back to school. She decided to learn a trade. She's always been doing like administrative work. She has worked her butt off um, to make us better, to give us opportunity. And she's the reason that I am not afraid to do much. Like she's she is a huge part of that. She's a huge part of my connection to our legacy because she is all up in it, yes, yes. <laughs> all up in it. And I'll, I'll shout out Risa too, her sister, my aunt yeah. Teresa, because I can remember her telling me I, I had to be three or four years old because I'm just picturing looking up at her pretty far and she's not that tall. So I had to be really young. <laughs> Um, and I, I remember, I can hear my little voice saying, can, I, I'm Risa, can I be Miss America? And you know, Risa, you can be the damn president if you mm -hmm. want to. <laughs> so I've always had that push of you can be and you can do whatever you want. But those two women, um, I still stand on their shoulders today. Mm -hmm. So I think but, about your mom. She worked at at a higher education place forever. Once you guys graduated, she was gone. Yep. And I was like, what? How'd you do that? I'm still thinking about my 401k and and the um and the benefits. And she was just gone. Yeah, she said I, I wasn't happy. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, I want to be like you one day. Finally did got to do that. But you know, you learn from watching other people. And as far as yeah, Reese is concerned. I, she's a discerner. Yep. She'll point out people. You want to talk to this person because they yep. do this. You you want to see this. So she's watching everybody and actually assessing their talents and their gifts before they probably even know that. That's so the truth. she saw at a reunion that I needed help. She said, go talk to Chanel. She's a good helper, such and such. And she does this and she does that. I didn't ask her for that. Mm -hmm. She came to me. So she's an absolute discerner. And so when we're operating in our gifts and our talents, you help everybody else. When you're uniquely you, then you're, you're inspiring and encouraging someone else. But your life is so much richer. And yes. the world benefits from you being the unique person that you are. So how can we reach you for your, your products, any other things, speak, public speaking. Oh, we didn't even talk about diversity and inclusion. That's that's near and dear to my heart too. So we're gonna have to do something together. We have to do a part two. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do something together about that. But how can people reach you for public speaking, for your product, your your um, beauty and health products, that kind of thing, and whatever yeah. else you want them to get. So I think for right now, I'm in the process of building my website. I'm probably going to tap my little cousin to help me out on that one. Um, but for right now, any interest in just like following along with my journey, what I'm up to, I do a lot on Instagram. So Instagram is candy underscore tunes, C-A-N-D-Y underscore T-U-N-E-S. 
that's where you can reach me to learn about all of the beauty and wellness stuff that I have. That's where like I post stuff, my journey with my kids and what it's like being a mom. That's the best place to reach me if you just want to keep up with me. Um, I have a link there as well, where if you have a public speaking opportunity, you can fill out that form, tell me all about it, tell me when it is. Um, and then I will connect with you to determine, you know, what my role in the event would be. Um, but that's the best way to reach me. And here on Facebook as well, please just shoot me a message. I'm on here all the time because I do run an online business. So I would love to hear from all of you. Okay, we have some people watching. They're like, yes, okay. But I don't see any questions. Does anybody have any questions before we sign off? I enjoy this conversation with me you. too. <laughs> people are like, they're online. They're like, um, and so we have Muffin who is doing a lot of work behind the scenes. So she's put up the retreat. She's put information to reach Candace. It doesn't look like they have any questions. If you have any questions, you can actually um, just put it in the comments here later on, or you can reach us during with the links that we provided here. Candace, I thank you so much. Thank so you. Mel Melanie Johnson, cousin Melanie said, beautiful, beautiful. Oh, thank you. We still you. have no questions, but that's good. Thank you, Melanie. We appreciate you guys. Um, stay tuned for the next yes. live that we do. Thank have you so day. much for having me. We'll have you again. We have to have you again. We never even touched diversity and inclusion and access. And, and that's something that's important too, but we'll talk about that later. Thank yeah. you everybody for tuning in. Love you cuz, bye. Love you too. Thank you for listening to Dream Aloud with Kendra. If you like the show, leave a review and tell a friend. I also invite you to join our Dream Aloud Facebook group where we encourage and challenge our members to step outside of their comfort zone and live limitless lives. I guarantee you, you will experience true fulfillment when you live, work, and play your way.